Hey, welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Worship Christian Church in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Apostle Robert Enos. This is where we talk about the issue the church faces and how the church should respond to those issues. Here we will talk about doctrine, theology, politics, social and cultural issues, and how the church is to deal with these things. So get ready for a large dose of truth and get ready for the tables to be flipped. Here at Table Flippers, table flipping is what we do. Hello, we're back. Today I want to slow down just a little bit and talk to you about something that's extremely important, not just on my heart, but I believe it's on the heart of God. I deal with weak leadership and weak churches quite a bit in my discussions for the obvious reasons. We need to get beyond that. We need to grow up. We need to move forward. We need to do some things. And as I said earlier on that we were going to not just point out the problems, but we were going to point out some solutions. So today is going to be a little bit about the solutions. As a matter of fact, not just a little bit, but a big portion of the solution. As a matter of fact, this will be very foundational to pretty much every solution that the church is facing in regards to its weakness, even cowardice. And uh, if you just have an open heart and an open mind, which you do, I think you'll begin to start seeing this. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, we'll read this in just a moment, but this is called the Great Commission. This was the last orders, if you will, or direction that Jesus gave before his ascension. This is what he, his parting words to all of us, to all of his disciples, to all of us. These are his parting words, his parting command, if you will. And it says in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, most Christians, most pastors, most church leaders look at this, the Great Commission, as their reasoning behind going out and and preaching the gospel and trying to get people to say the sinner's prayer and try to make converts. And yet, the very passage that they use to justify that or use that as their backdrop, their foundational scriptures for what they're doing, actually can be used to speak against that. Please don't turn me off. Just listen and you'll see what I mean. Right here, these are Jesus' parting words. So you can imagine how important they were to him. What would be the last words? If you knew you were going to pass away or leave this earth at a certain time, what would be your last words? What would be the final things you want to share with the people that you love and care about, with humanity in general? Well, this is what Jesus, he, he knew he was leaving. He knew he was about to be caught away. And so these were his last words. And he starts these la- this last portion with, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, meaning I've got it all. And what's so interesting about that is when we know uh, about Jesus, we know about his teachings and what he did, he left us with that same power and that same authority. That's why in verse 20 he can say, I am with you always. So the one with all authority is with us always, meaning we have all authority because it's from Christ, it's through him. But look at what he says. 
Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. Now again, many will use this as a backdrop for going out to the streets on a Saturday or, or Friday evening or whatever and try to get and preach Jesus and try to get people to say that sinner's prayer so there'll be one more person not going to hell. I am not saying that's a bad thing. Please don't misunderstand me. I think that's fantastic. Getting people saved is a wonderful thing. But that's not what this tells us to do. This tells us to make disciples, not converts. Disciples, not converts. And it tells us to make disciples of all nations. The word nations is ethnos, where we get the word ethnic. So it could say this, make strong followers of Jesus of every people group on the planet. That's basically what Jesus was saying, not converts. Yes, it may start with conversion, but it's so sad to me. There's a uh, several churches that I can think of that come to mind when I think of this, but how many of you have ever been in a church, maybe your own church, where it's testimony time, and somebody will get up and give a testimony last week, Last year or yesterday, we were down on the streets in the heart of town. We were preaching the gospel. We got 10 people to say the sinner's prayer. 10 people got saved. And then you look around and you wonder, where are those 10 people? How come they're not in the pews? How come they're not in the church? How come those 10 converts weren't made into disciples? Because a disciple would be there at church. So it's not the failure on the ones that who've said the sinner's prayer. It's the failure on the ones who are leading them through the sinner's prayer. Because we're not supposed to only get them to say a sinner's prayer. We are to make disciples. And again, sometimes it starts with an individual. So I don't down that you got one person truly saved or discipled or making a disciple of them. But the Bible says, and Jesus commanded us to do this with nations. Make disciples of all nations. And that's the problem that I really have. I see so many churches and so many Christians and pastors and leaders with the individual mindset. Let's just go get that one person saved. And please don't misunderstand me. That one person needs salvation. But what would happen if we took that same energy, the same time, and we put it towards nations or entire people groups? So let's start say this. What if we put it just towards our city as a whole? I want the city saved. Now, many people would say, well, that you have to do it one at a time. Well, why do you have to do it one at a time? The only reason we do it one at a time is because that's what we've been told, and that's how we've been trained. You one at a time. And there is a certain level of truth to that in some instances. But in going after the individual, we often forget the whole. But when you go after the whole, you also get the individual that is part of the whole. In other words, if you go after the city and you win your entire city, you've won the individuals in that city. But if you win merely only a, an individual in that city, you may not have the overall city. Let me put it in kind of a business lingo, if you will. If you start a business and you go into business and you, I don't know, it could be selling baseball cards, all right? And you, uh, make these baseball cards or you you get them and you sell them and you only sell one baseball card you made like say five dollars how many of you would say that that's being successful in the baseball card business well i certainly wouldn't 
if you just sold that one baseball card for five bucks and you made that five dollars and and that's all you made i wouldn't say that was very successful as a matter of fact most people you you couldn't feed your family on that you couldn't live off that nothing to really hang your hat on you know you have an inventory uh of say a thousand baseball cards but you're only able to sell one nobody marches in the streets and hey you know nobody's going to stand up <laughs> on testimony sunday and said, I, I started with a thousand baseball cards. I only sold one, praise God. And yet, unfortunately, that's what we do with our evangelistic efforts. And please don't misunderstand me. Again, I'm not trying to say don't go after the one. But I am saying is we, we lift that up as if that's the pinnacle. And honestly, that's just the beginning point. We have testimonies and we brag and we feel good about the one even though the city is going to hell in a handbasket where if we take that same energy and that same mindset and apply it towards the city or an entire people group maybe we would have uh not just a greater success just in sheer numbers but we would truly begin to start fulfilling matthew 28 because when we get the one convert let's face it we are not fulfilling matthew 28 we're not fulfilling Matthew 28 until we make disciples of entire people groups, entire nations, entire cities. We're not fulfilling that. You know, and, and please, another thing I just want to touch on real quick. A lot of Christians, unfortunately, especially in the Western world, got this idea that Jesus is coming back any moment now because of all the bad things that are happening Antichrist is coming, all the wicked things that are taking place, and of course this is the end because, well, all the bad things. Well, number one, bad things, what devil, the devil does, should never determine what God is doing or not doing or his word. Satan is Satan. He's always been bad. Okay, number two, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you fall into that, get that nonsense out of your head. Because what it's doing is it's causing the church to, number one, being be in fear. Fear of what's happening, fear of Antichrist, fear of all the bad stuff that's going on. Fear, 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 fear. And and one of my earlier podcasts, I pointed out, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if there is a doctrine that's running around in the church and it's based in fear and it produces fear, then it's not of God because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. That comes from Satan. All right. And what it also does is it inoculates us. If we feel like Nothing we do really matters because Jesus is coming any second. We're not going to do such things as worry about the Great Commission as Jesus said it. We'll do our best to go get a few individuals in the hope that we can take them with us, but we're not going after the city. We're not going after the state. We're not going after the nation, or we're not going after entire people groups. Why? Well, that's just too much, and we won't really finish. We'll never be able to finish before Jesus comes because he's coming any second. So just go get your neighbor. Go right that, that guy right there, right there, right there. Go get that one guy right there. And then we feel good about it, and we leave the rest of the command or the full command of the word of the Lord uh, um, to just fall away by the wayside. And, and one last thought on that. Jesus will not come back now listen to me on this very clearly we look at matthew 28 verses 18 through 20 as a command but i want you to see the prophecy in there go make disciples of all nations that's really never been fully completed in any lifetime so if 
Jesus gives a command for this to be done, and it hasn't been done ever in that sense, then it's also a, prof- a prophecy. It's a prophecy and a command rolled into one. Jesus will not come back until his word is fulfilled. Jesus will not come back until his word is fulfilled. In other words, Jesus won't come back until there are entire nations, entire people group, discipled and brought into the kingdom. I want you to think about it. You need to think about that. That needs to be something you understand. But let's go on. It goes on to say, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The word baptize, you know, uh, we, we have that picture of being water baptized. And, of course, you can picture that because, you know, in baptism, you're water baptized. But it com- means to be completely submerged or overwhelmed, to be completely covered. So when you have water baptized, you get completely submerged, overwhelmed, or completely covered with the water. But that's not water baptism that he's talking about them. He says baptizing them in the name of the Father. And the, and the concept or the idea of the name, biblically speaking, it's supposed to represent everything that the person is, everything that the person has, or everything that the person will ever be. Okay, so baptize them, overwhelm them, completely submerge them in everything that the Father is, has, or will ever be. Completely overwhelm, submerge, baptize people, or entire nations, I should say, in the name of the Son or in everything that Jesus is, has, or will ever be. And the same thing with Holy Spirit. Completely overwhelm or submerge nations in everything that Holy Spirit is, Holy Spirit has, or Holy Spirit will ever be. Why is that important? Because as you can see, if you're looking at this honestly, just as Jesus gave it, and you're taking him for what it says, not twisting it to try to fit our narrative, not try to fit what we are comfortable with, but try to really uh, look at it in an honest way, just the way Jesus said it. We would, re- we would be, and we're honest, we would realize we've never fulfilled this at any time. I don't believe any nation at any time has ever been that has ever lived up to that standard. Now, the United States of America at certain points has come close. The nation Israel at certain points has come close. But certainly not in a New Testament context, with Israel at least. And so we have a long way to go and a lot of work to do before Jesus can come back. So please don't get hung up that any minute Jesus is going to come back. No, he is not. We have lots of time. Well, look how bad things are getting. Yeah, it's getting bad because God's people are sitting back waiting for Jesus to come get them instead of engaging society and culture and changing it. The only reason things are getting bad is because we, the church, have given the world over to the devil. Well, it's been prophesied. No, it hasn't. It's only been, it, you can only find it in Scripture when you twist Scripture to meet the failed doctrines of today. But that's not what the Bible actually says. So, in verse 20 here, Matthew 28, verse 20, we are to teach nations, 
everything Jesus commanded his disciples. Once again, that hasn't been completed. There's so many people have been sent out with the gospel of salvation, the good news of salvation, but actually very few people are fulfilling the command of the Lord throughout scripture, being sent out and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And yes, the gospel of the kingdom includes salvation, of course, but it doesn't begin or end there. The gospel of the kingdom talks about how Jesus is the king and wherever his um, command is adhered to, wherever people are doing what he wants them to do, that's where the kingdom is. That's the kingdom of God. Okay? And one passage in the Bible says that it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God because that's what the kingdom brings. That's what it establishes. So we need to bring the good news of the kingdom of God. And what does that include? Well, so many different things, but healing, deliverance, of course, salvation, prosperity. I know a lot of Christians have a problem with that, but that's certainly in the kingdom message. It, it, it talks about the authority of Christ. It talks about uh, um, how we human beings are to take the authority of Christ and, and work it out in the dominion in the earth that we already have. And so what's the more, what's the more practical way that this is not just taught, but recognized? There's a teaching by Dr. Lance Walnow, and he teaches on what he calls the seven mountain mandate. Uh, and he calls these the seven mountains are the mind molders of culture and society. And these seven mountains are, they include uh, the mountain or the mind molder of education, government, business, arts and entertainment, media, religion, and family. Now these seven he calls mind molders because they actually, these seven spheres, actually will um, mold the cultural or societal thinking because it's in like the mountain of education. Let's look what's happening right now. We have had so many Marxists creep into our colleges that our kids, we send them off to go get a good education so they can get a great job and have a great future. And they come out as socialists, Marxists, communists with that kind of ideology and that thinking. Well, how is that possible? Because the mountain of education has been controlled by Marxism, Marxists, communists, the liberals in government that have set in these Marxists to try to twist the thinking of the next generation towards Marxism, because that's what they want to establish. Let's look at the mountain of government. Whether you like the present president or not, that's not really relevant. But the president and every government official uh, governors, mayors, city council members, um, assemblymen, uh, Congress, all of these different governmental figures, they decide what our government or what our culture and society is going to bend towards. Look at what just happened with abortion. Okay. For so many years, abortion uh, was legal at, at a federal level. And, and many, many people believed in that just because of the, the, the doctrine, the, the teaching, the words that came out of government and other people about it. It's a wicked, wicked, evil practice, 100%. But it was accepted by even some in the church because it kept being pressed in the mountain of education, the mountain of government. 
Another, the other mountain mind molder business. Well, come on, money shapes people's thinking. Let's face it. You, uh, there's a lot of people that do things that they don't want to do or they think is morally wrong, but they do it for a paycheck. You know, that's the business realm. That's the world that we're in. Uh, many of these businesses are now even going what we call woke and they're supporting Planned Parenthood, abortion. They're, they're supporting even, some of them are supporting gender reassignment surgeries and such. Well, that clearly tells you that business is shaping people's thinking. Uh, the, the world of arts and entertainment, and that would even include sports. Look how many people follow sports figures. Look how many people will listen to sports figures. Look how many people will listen to entertainers, actors and actresses and singers and such. Just because they say vote for this person, many will go vote for him just because that's their favorite um, artist, their favorite singer or something. And we can go through the list. Media, look at the news, how they, uh, you know, President Trump kept saying fake news, fake news, fake news. And when people started looking at it honestly, they started realizing, oh, he's right, this is fake news. But they're pressing lies and pushing lies to such a degree that it, it becomes truth in people's minds. It never really becomes truth, but in their minds it is. Then, of course, religion. Oh, that's a really big one as well. And that re religion could be any of the key religion in any culture or any nation or any city. In some places, it's Catholicism. In other places, it's, it's Protestantism. Uh, other places, it's, it's uh, Islam. But the religion determines which way that culture, society, city will go in a very big way. And the last one, of course, is family. Family is very, very, very big. And yet, it's even becoming weaker and weaker and weaker. Why? When mom and dad both are out in the work world, uh, you know, they might work eight-hour shifts, but it takes an hour to get there, an hour to get home. So, 10 hours, they're away. Uh, kids come home to nobody, no adults being home, or they go off to the babysitter. So, now who's teaching them? Babysitter. Schools. Schools. Teachers in school. And I want to just say something about the teachers in school and, and what's going on there and everything. There's this whole big old ugly thing about sex ed in the sexual education in our public school system. And I personally am 100%. I wish they would just scrap that whole thing called sexual education in our public school system because it's not their job. I, I, want, I just want to say this. And I want you, you need to, again, think about this. Any adult, teacher or not, Okay, except for a parent, but any adult that discusses sex with minor children is by de definition a pedophile. Now, a lot of people may have a problem with that, but when they're teaching third graders how to roll condoms on a banana for sex, and they're teaching minor kids in our schools about homosexuality, transgenderism, even to the point where they're trying to push that a minor child, if he, he or she wants, uh, you know, they want to go get a surgery to have parts of their body cut off so a boy looks like a girl and a girl looks like a boy, that that could happen without the parent's consent. That's wicked, that's evil, that's unrighteous. And I would hope and pray that everyone that's sending their kids to public schools, that you'd get your kids out of there and homeschool them or send them to a private school or something. Get them out of the public school system because it's filled with pedophiles, filled with wicked people. And your children are just their pawn. 
anyways, let's get back to this. I get really bummed when it when it especially when it comes to our children like that. Now, so we have these seven spheres of influence, education, government, business, arts and entertainment, media, religion, and family. I want you to think about this. What would happen if all of these spheres of influence over a culture, society, a state, nation, city belong to the devil? And he put his people in there. What would it look like? I'll tell you what it would look like. It would look like the world that we're beginning to see emerge right now. It would look like San Francisco, where there's human feces in the streets. And there's needles because they hand out needles so that people can do drugs. And where there's naked men and women walking around in, in broad daylight in that city. And where there's nothing anybody could do about it because the laws are bent for that kind of behavior. It would also look like Los Angeles Skid Row and the homeless population down there where drugs run rampant, rape runs rampant, uh, all these disgusting perversions run rampant because, again, the laws are bent towards protecting the most perverted among us. And I can go on and on and on and on. It would look like uh, parts of Washington, even Oregon, where these um, Antifa will completely take over parts of the city where all kinds of horrible things are taking place and they can't go in there and stop it because, again, the people in government and the people around there are saying, no, it's okay, they're protected. And anybody that wants to stand up against it is demonized. So that's what we're seeing emerge because Satan's people are in there. He put them in there. So what would happen if God's people rose up and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is disgusting, this is perverted, this is terrible. What if enough of God's people says, we're getting involved in education, we're going to start teaching the children in righteousness. We're going to get involved in government and we're going to run for office and we're going to lead cities and states and nations in righteousness. What would happen if, if people would stop just being content with just having their, their mouth fed and they would say, no, I'm going to rise up in big business. I'm going to become CEO of a multi-billion dollar company and I'm going to rule it and run it in righteousness and demand everybody in that sphere and that, all the peers to run their businesses in righteousness as well. Again, we can go through arts and entertainment. What if every, every artist or, or um, the, the major artists and the major entertainers and the major sports figures lived righteously and would preach Jesus? What if those in the media, same thing. What if CNN suddenly got saved, the people that suddenly got saved and, and, and trashed their garbage uh, so-called news, their trash talk, and then <clears throat> started preaching or giving the news from a standard of righteousness? We can say the same thing. What if people turned away from wicked religion or people in those religions started getting a backbone, rising up and standing up for righteousness? What if the church of Jesus Christ started really standing up for righteousness? Our pastors and preachers and our teachers and our leaders started really standing up for righteousness. What would happen? Same thing in the family. And the family start taking, you know, moms and dads would start saying, listen, even if we have to sacrifice, one of us is going to be home with those kids. One of us is going to teach them right from wrong. One of us is going to be down at the schools checking on their curriculum and checking on them and seeing what's going on at the schools. Man, if we, if we took this seriously... One generation 
and I don't even think it really take that long, but let's give it one generation. We can turn the entire world around. We can flip it upside down. We can flip it from unrighteousness to righteousness, from wickedness and ungodliness to righteousness, and we would start fulfilling Matthew 28, 18 through 20. What happens when we don't do this thing? Satan is happy to put his people in there. God wants to put his people in there. A lot of people say, you know, Christians shouldn't be involved in politics. Well, you know what? You need to go back and read your Bible because nowhere in the scriptures does it say that. As a matter of fact, God put people such as Joseph in key political positions for his glory. People such as Daniel. Now, these were people that were taken off into pagan lands and had to work for pagan people and pagan government officials. Yet God put them in key positions to bend those pagan kings towards righteousness. And we can the list can go on and on and on and on. Every one of the judges, there's a whole book called The Judges. They stood in the place of not just religious leader, but also political leader over cities and over the nation. Moses was more political than he was spiritual. Abraham, again, was very political because God looked to him as the leader in that regard. And we, again, we can go on and on and on. And then people today thinking they're being so spiritual. Oh, you know, we shouldn't be involved in politics. No, Christians should be involved in politics. Christians should be running for uh, a political office. Christians should be rising up and becoming president, congressman, getting involved in the assembly. Christians should rise up and become governors and mayors and city council members. Christians should do this. And the reason when we started pulling back because of the failed teachings of many of our pastors and our leaders, when we started pulling back, the world started going to hell in a handbasket. And then what did we do? Instead of looking at it honestly and saying, we need to get reinvolved in these places and take them back and, and, and establish righteousness. No, we created a doctrine that it's all supposed to happen this way. It's, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. There's nothing you and I can do about it. So let's just hang out, hang on until Jesus comes because he's coming at any second now. And you know what? Generations have thought that and, gener- and we are still here. And guess what? It's not going to happen in my lifetime. It's not going to happen in your lifetime. We have time, but we better get on the ball before things get worse. We better get on the ball before things get uh, so bad that it'll take, you know, because if God comes down, oof, so many people say God just come down. No, when God comes down, especially because of wickedness, heads are going to roll and it'll start in the church of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Bible tells us judgment begins in the household of God. We want judgment in the earth, but it starts in the household of God. And who will God judge first? Those who did not do what they were supposed to do with what he gave them. So I want to end with this, this encouragement. It's time we go out and fulfill the great commission of the Lord. This last prophetic command of Jesus to make disciples of nations. And that means we get involved in every level of culture and society, what shapes the overall thinking and mindset of culture and society. And we don't just get involved, we take it over in the name of Jesus. Something to think about and pray about. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us here at Table Flippers. I would love to hear from you. You can find my contact information at www gwcclancaster.org that's 
gwcclancaster.org. Please let us know how we are doing. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and comments. Have a fantastic day.